How you guys doing? Great to see you. Good to thank God for Pastor Jordan and his, uh, his anointed announcements. Amen. Don't you love, love his heart? And um, I just want to invite you to do something with me. I know he mentioned it, but I just thought before we share in the word today, let's just join together in a church, as a church family and, and let's just lift our voices and pray for Pastor Kathy this morning. Like he said, she may be able to be watching us online, but whether she is or not, I think it'd be great for us just to join our hearts together in faith right now. I know she's not feeling well physically, and so we're just going to believe for healing to be hers today. How many of you believe in the power of prayer? Amen. So come on, let's lift our voices. Father, we thank you today for Pastor Kathy. We just lift our voices as a church. Lord, we're her family. You've made us family by your blood and by the spirit. And so, Lord, we thank you for the power of God that can be released. Lord, we know that your word tells us that when we offer a prayer as the church, God, that it's effectual, it makes a difference. And so, Lord, we lift our voices and we just declare that your healing powers flow into her body right now in her home. We thank you in the name of Jesus that she's receiving strength in her body and in her mind, in her heart and in her soul. The life of God is flowing to her today. Thank you, Lord, that you are her glory and the lifter of her head today. So, Lord, we just declare your healing power. We thank God for her, for the gift of God that she is, and we call her blessed today. We call her healed today. We call her whole today, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen, amen. Well, it's great to be <clears throat> With you, it's always good to be together, and uh, we're going to continue in this series that we're in the middle of called Thankful Hearts, and uh, I'm excited just to kind of bring another perspective and another dimension. Pastor Songo and Pastor Jordan just did a fantastic job over the last couple of weeks. Uh, even though I was out of town for part of that, I, I know that uh, they did a tremendous job, and I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to... 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and to Romans chapter 1. And we're going to talk about thankful hearts, but I want to talk to you this morning about moving the mountains within. Moving the mountains within. So just look at your neighbor and say, we're going to talk about the mountains on the inside. Just tell them that. The mountains on the inside. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 16 is just a fantastic passage of Scripture. You could bless yourself by reading it anytime. It says, rejoice always. That's just like right there. There's two words right there. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. I'm going to read that again. That's just, I like to read that over and over and over to myself. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 21. Romans chapter 1, Paul's talking to 
the Romans about what goes wrong. So this is a verse about how things go wrong. It's a whole passage about how things go wrong, but I want to draw your attention. He says, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. So we see two sides of this coin in these two verses um, that I want to try and see if we can just unpack and allow the Holy Spirit to shed some light in our hearts today. So Father, we thank you for doing that. We trust you today. Thank you that your word is living and active. And Lord, I thank you that as we study your word, as we proclaim your word today, it's alive and it's active on the inside of us. You said it's sharper than a double-edged sword and it's able uh, to divide asunder. So we open our hearts to you today and we just say, let your word, let your light, let your grace shine into our souls today. Breathe your life into us, Lord. Change what needs to be changed. We surrender ourselves to you and to your word in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. When you thought when you talk about thankfulness, it's not a church only subject and it's not a bible only subject. Uh, humans who have been living and trying life out for thousands and thousands of years have discovered that there are some good things and beneficial ways to live and oddly enough being thankful is one of those things. And if you think about it, uh, being thankful doesn't really make sense like to an atheist. I mean, if you, if you don't really have a lot of reason, then what's the point of being thankful? You might as well just get what you get and, and go on with it and live for yourself. And what's it matter if you say thanks to somebody or if you don't, if you have a gratitude attitude or a thankful heart or not, like what, what actually does it matter in life? If we weren't Christians, then what reason would we have uh, to be thankful or to emphasize thankful, but our nation has recognized that thankfulness is something that we want to be a part of our national culture. There's value in that, and, and that's not without reason. So I want to just draw your attention as we start this morning um, to the gospel, uh, not in Thessalonians or in Romans, but I want to draw your attention to the gospel according to the Mayo Clinic. Come on. How many of you, you can find the gospel anywhere, yes. right? So I think they're going to put this on the screen for you, but uh, according to the Mayo Clinic, a daily gratitude practice has been shown to significantly increase your happiness and your health. Practicing gratitude improves your sleep, it boosts your immunity, and it decreases the risk of disease. The gospel according to the Mayo Clinic. Now, I know that's good. If it's good, it's good, right? I mean, if it's true, it's true. So according to Harvard and Berkeley and uh, the NPR, I want to show you something else. It says that there's a growing body of research on the benefits of gratitude. And the first one was physiological. It's actually good for your physical body. This one is psychological. It says the benefits of gratitude. Studies have found that giving thanks and counting your blessings help people sleep better, 
lower stress, and improve their interpersonal relationships. The last one is uh, the gospel according to the Virginia Commonwealth University. And so a large study conducted by the Virginia Commonwealth University showed that thankfulness predicted a significantly lower risk in major depression, generalized anxiety disorder, phobia, nicotine dependence, alcohol dependence, and drug abuse. Now these are just people who are not reading the Bible, who are not necessarily trying to follow Jesus. They're just studying human behavior. They're doing things like this. They're getting a hundred people together in this group, and then they're getting a hundred people together over in this group, and they're telling this hundred people, why don't you just thank people all the time? Every day be thankful. Come up with a list of things you're thankful for, and then they're telling this group over here, don't do that. And then they're coming up with these research. But you know, it's it's fascinating to me, and I'm grateful for the Mayo Clinic and Harvard and Berkeley and all the science that we can come up with, but how many of you know thousands and thousands of years ago, there was a group of Hebrew people in the desert, and they were just wandering around, and they were just listening to their Creator, and He said to them, here's how you live a good life, here's how you come into my presence, you start being thankful unto me, and I will bless your life, I'll heal your disease. I'll fill you with joy. Your life will abundantly overflow. And so if it takes, you know, the Silicon Valley or the Northeast or research institutes until the 21st century to catch up with thousands of year old wisdom, we'll just welcome them to the club and say, hey, glad you joined the club. We've known all along the best way to live is by being thankful. But I think that it should cause us as Christians to do our best to reflect on why that is so. I mean, it's good that it is so. It's, you know, it's grateful and it ought to be a little bit convicting because, I mean, if, if that's true scientifically and I'm a follower of Jesus but I'm full of anxiety, I'm full of sleeplessness, I'm, I'm constantly battling, you know, emotional ups and downs, my interpersonal relationships are a wreck, and then I've got people who aren't following Jesus over here saying, hey, if you just be more thankful, it would help all of those things, then maybe I need to pay a little bit more attention to how I'm following Jesus and how intentional I am in being thankful to God. Amen. Amen. So in other words, you can go to the altar call at the gate church or you can go to the altar call at the Mayo Clinic. I don't care. Just get to the altar. Are you with me? So I want to I wanna bring not a physiological or a psychological perspective as to why thankfulness improves our lives. I want us to go to the scriptures this morning and look for a theological reason of why thankfulness improves our lives. And I think that Paul in Thessalonians and Romans is telling us something about how thankfulness actually works in our lives, about how it changes us. And I, I want to remind you that when we talked about prayer in our last series, we talked about how prayer doesn't change God, prayer changes us. 
And I think that when we think and talk about thankfulness, it's important to remember that the same thing is true. And so what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 1 is that when man began this downward spiral journey toward sinfulness and destruction and devastation and chaos in his life, mankind, society in general, it began by them not being thankful. So a thanklessness or a lack of gratitude is the beginning toward a downward spiral in my life that ends in destruction and and devastation and chaos in my life. And so what that should tell us is that if we want to reverse or if we want to avert or if we want to change the downward motion of our life, then if we shift from thanklessness to thankfulness, we can change the direction of our life. Are you doing all right so far? So why is it that thankfulness, why does it matter? Like, does God need my thankfulness? Does he, is he kind of like a, a petty person, you know, at the grocery store or at the restaurant who if I don't say thank you to God, he gets upset with me and then he lets bad things happen to me? Is God, is God insecure? Is he petty? Is it, why is it that thankfulness is so effective and why is it that it makes such a difference? Here's what I want to say to you, according to the Bible, Bible, what happens is, is that thankfulness opens me up to God. And thanklessness closes me down to God. So when I am thankless, what I'm actually doing is I'm saying there's no one to thank but me, and I'm putting myself in God's place. I didn't get any amens, but I'm going to keep on preaching right there. So when I, when I, if I passively or I actively refuse to be thankful or if I forget to be thankful, that's passive ingratitude. What I'm actually doing is in my subconscious mind, I'm actually making a decision that I don't need to thank anybody. What I've got that's good in my life, I got for myself. I deserve it. I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. You fill in the blanks. But what I'm doing is I'm I'm putting myself in God's place and I'm closing myself down to God. But when I, so so, uh, that was a fancy way to say that that's prideful. You see, and the quickest path to humility is the path of thankfulness. Because what thankfulness requires me to do, I can't be thankful and keep it all about me because I have to be thankful to somebody. I've got to be thankful to something. I've got to be thankful to someone. And so thankfulness is me humbly recognizing that what I've got that's good did not come from me. It came from someone else. And if you're a Christian, you know the ultimate source of all the good in your life is God, your creator and your savior. And therefore, he is the ultimate destination for all of my thankfulness. 
So I can thank God for my people. I can thank God for my mom. I can thank God for my wife. I can thank God for my friends. But that is just a, 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 that is a, a temporary stopping point. I'm thankful for you. But the real reason I'm thankful for you is because you are a blessing and a gift to me that came from God. So my thankfulness goes to you and it goes through you. And all of my gratitude ultimately goes to God. And because my gratitude goes to God, it opens me up to God. So when I'm grateful, I open my heart to God. And when you open your heart to God, do you know what your heart receives? It receives peace. It receives joy. It receives strength. It receives love. It receives healing. And so all these research and all these scientists are just finding out that when people open up their heart, their heart to God, their anxiety goes down, their sleep goes up, their peace goes up. Why? Because their hearts are becoming more open to God. So I got good news for you. God's not in heaven with a gratitude thermometer, and he's not measuring how grateful you are and then determining how much he wants to bless you based on, you know, like you won the thankful person of the year award. Like if you won the Oscar or the Grammy for thankfulness that year, then God's going to give you a promotion and bless your socks off and just make you your life wonderful. No, that's not how it works. But if you do, if there were an Oscar for gratitude and you were the most grateful person, you would also be one of the people whose heart is widest open to God and therefore you would be experiencing incredible amounts of God's goodness. So thankfulness is important because it opens me up to God. Now, it's really, here's, here's where it gets really challenging. And on this third Sunday, since we've been talking about thankfulness for, for three weeks now, this will be the third week, I kind of want to see if we can kind of get into, you know, the graduate school of gratitude, if we can. So like, how many of you know that there's levels of thankfulness? Like probably if you got an unexpected bonus at your job, you just kind of get thankful. Like it doesn't require a tremendous amount of spiritual maturity or discipline to be thankful when good things happen to you. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to look at Jesus and I want to first indicate to you that Jesus shows us the way. And the reason that it's important that Jesus shows us the way is because the challenging reality is that circumstances in which we most need communion with God are circumstances that don't naturally lead to thankfulness. You see, to give thanks in the original language is the same word that we use for communion. So when you say, you know, when it says that, that Paul gave thanks or give thanks in all things, it's actually saying, you know, have communion. It's the Greek word that we get the word Eucharist from. And so when we have a Eucharist in church, it just simply means to give thanks. So watch this. Thankfulness is communion with God. So anytime I choose to be thankful, I take a step toward communion with God. Now we know this in Psalms, it says, enter my gates with thanksgiving. So how many of you know that the way I move toward God is with thanksgiving? But here's the tricky thing about life is that it's the circumstances in life that are least likely to draw natural gratitude out of me. Those are the same circumstances that I really need to be in deep communion with God. They're circumstances in which I'm facing mountains that challenge my ability to be thankful. 
And so I'm going to talk to you about three mountains today. Um, the first mountain, and these are all going to be seen in the life of Jesus. The first mountain is a mountain that I'm going to call the mountain of lack. The mountain of lack, when there's not enough. And so Jesus was a human just like me and just like you, and he lived his life in the same way that we did. And he comes into this situation in which he is faced with lack. There's 5,000 men on a hillside. There's probably 10 to 15,000 people, counting women and children, and all they have is a bread, a few pieces of bread and some fish. And you know the story, it's in John chapter 6, is in the Gospels, the disciples come to Jesus and they're like, hey, we got to send these people to town so they can go buy themselves something to eat. And I love how Jesus says to his disciples, he says, you feed them. How many of you ever had a conversation with Jesus where you were trying to explain to Jesus, this is your problem, and Jesus' response back to you was, no, that's your problem. And Jesus is like, I'm here to help you, but you can't. You can't get yourself out of the problematic circumstances that you found yourself in. I didn't put you in that circumstance for you to look for an escape from me. I put you in that circumstance for you to look to me so that you could be part of the solution. Now that's good preaching right there. So anytime I find myself in a difficult circumstance, as a mature follower of Jesus, I begin to train myself to say somehow Jesus wants to participate with me in bringing about a solution to this problematic circumstance that I find myself in. So I'm not going to look to Jesus to get me out of it. I'm going to look to Jesus to help me get through it and be a blessing in the midst of it. Y'all doing all right? So guess what Jesus does? In the midst of lack, Jesus takes the bread, he takes the fish, and the Bible says that Jesus took the loaves and he took the fish, and when he had given thanks, when he had given thanks. So what is Jesus doing? He's showing us what to do when we find ourselves in time. I'm not talking about just financial or material lack. I'm talking about any kind of a lack. When you find yourself lacking joy, when you find yourself lacking peace, when you find yourself lacking a sound mind, when you find yourself lacking sleep, when you find yourself lacking uh, grace for other people in your life. Some of you are getting ready to go see some family members on Thursday. Not me. I love my family. But some of you are going to see some family members on Thursday that need extra grace from you. I know. See, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm really trying. People are nervous because they think their family's watching them or something. But how many of you know, whatever you're lacking, the way that you open yourself up to God's resources, it's counterintuitive. You don't get the resource and then become thankful. You become thankful and that opens you up to receive the resource. See, Jesus could have showed us the way and said, hey, guys, watch this. I'm going to command this bread to multiply, and after it multiplies, we'll give thanks to God. But that's not the Jesus way. The Jesus way is I'm going to stand here with not enough. And while I've got not enough in my hand, I'm going to go ahead and give God thanks for not enough, and then I'm going to let God make it more than enough. So if you want to be a Jesus person, you ought to be crazy enough to stand up in the middle of your life, no matter what you're lacking, and just say, God, it's not enough, but I'm going to go ahead and give you thanks for it right now. And what's amazing about that is that when you do that, you open yourself up 
to the infinite resources of the kingdom of heaven. And then God says, oh, five fish, two loaves, whatever, let's just make it more. And it just flows into your life because it opens you up. Number two, you, you're going to learn to be thankful in the midst of loss. To be thankful in the midst of loss. You know, it's important to remember that Jesus experienced humanity just like you do. So when we look at Jesus, we're looking at someone who is showing us the way. That's so important. So here's Jesus. He's at the funeral, at the death of his friend, Lazarus. And the Bible says when he gets there, people throwing guilt trips at him. Mary and Martha are like, man, if you'd have been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. So Jesus is dealing with lots of emotions. And the Bible says in John eleven thirty five, 35, it says Jesus wept. So here's Jesus. He's experiencing loss. He's in the middle of loss. But just like when he was in the middle of lack, Jesus responds to a circumstance or a mountain of loss by doing this. John eleven forty one. It says, Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. See, again, Jesus, Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He wasn't like rolling the dice in Vegas. Like Jesus knew that God was going to do what God was going to do. But what Jesus does is he doesn't, once again, he doesn't say, hey, guys, I'm going to give this a shot. And if Lazarus comes out of that grave, we're all going to give God thanks. That's how most of us operate many times in our life is when God does it, I'll give God thanks. But Jesus is showing us a better way. He's showing us a kingdom way. In the middle of lack, give God thanks. In the middle of loss, give God thanks. And when you give God thanks in the middle of loss, you open your heart and you open the moment that you're in. See, what, what needed to happen is that the moment that Jesus was in was not a moment full of faith. It was not a moment full of good emotions. It was not a moment full of anything that had to do with his father's kingdom. But Jesus said, I need to open this moment up. And the way that I'm going to open this moment up is I'm going to say, Father, I thank you that you've already heard me. I thank you that you want good for me more than I want it for myself. I thank you that I know what your will is. And I thank you that you're going to answer this prayer. Yes. Now you can't open moments like that unless you've spent enough time with your father to know what he's doing in moments like that. But Jesus teaches us that even in moments of loss, even in moments of lack, we can open ourselves up to God's provision. We can open ourselves up to God's power by being thankful. So I want to encourage you this morning that if you will just increase. So here's how you go from kindergarten to high school to college to gratitude is you just start noticing what kinds of circumstances am I thankful in. And if I'm only thankful in good circumstances, then that's okay. You're in elementary school, just keep on working. But the next time you hit lack or the next time you hit loss, you need to say, wait a minute, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to get down. I'm not going to talk about how I don't have it as good as everybody else has it. I'm going to stop right here like Jesus because I am a follower of Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He gave thanks in the middle of his lack and his loss. The last thing that Jesus and his disciple Paul show us is the ability to give thanks in the middle of a life-threatening storm. 
a life-threatening storm. I want to start with Paul, and then, of course, we'll see that Paul learned this from Jesus. But this is one of those stories that just defies belief in the Bible. So in Acts chapter 27, I just got to set it up for you. Paul is on his way to Rome. Paul felt like God had called him to Rome. I love this story for so many reasons because it tells us so much about our own life. But how many of you know Paul knew what his destiny was? He knew what God's call in his life was. And he told people, he said, I got to go preach in Rome. Like God's called me to get to Rome, and I'm going to go get to Rome. But how many of you know that sometimes God's going to get you where you're called to be? You just may not like God's chosen transportation service to get you there. And so God's like, that's right, Paul, you're going to go to Rome. But the way I'm going to get you to Rome is on a ship full of prisoners. And so Paul's arrested, he's a prisoner, he's a convicted criminal, he's a felon, he's on the ship, and, 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 the, and, the, and actually the, the, the storyteller tells us that there's like 276, tells us how many people were on the boat. 276 prisoners and Paul, and then some people that were in charge. And so, uh, you know, you know the story, they get into a storm, it's a long story, takes up the whole chapter of Acts 27, big long story about the storm and which direction the wind was going and what the name of the ship was, what the name of the storm was, all sorts of things. And the, bo- the fo- boat's falling apart, this is a long way through the story now, they're throwing tackle off of the boat, Paul has had uh, all kinds of problems with all kinds of people, people aren't listening to Paul, people aren't taking his advice. Do you know how frustrating? it would be to be Paul to be on a boat and say, I just got finished writing the letter to the Romans and y'all won't listen to me. Paul's like, you know, four months ago I raised the guy from the dead, but y'all won't listen to me. How many of you know that no matter how called, no matter how anointed, no matter how blessed you are, every now and then you're going to find yourself in the company of people who won't listen to you? I'm trying to get you ready for Thanksgiving. Amen. You're going to bring your anointed shatata message into your family, and they're going to look at you like, you have lost your mind. We don't care what you've been reading. We don't care what you got to say. Just sit down, eat some turkey, and watch some football. We're not trying to have a church service up in here. So, so you got Paul on the boat. He's frustrated. He's in the middle of a life-threatening storm. And this is the most amazing, one of the most amazing statements I, I can find anywhere in Scripture. Here's what Paul does. He's like, guys, guys, guys. I mean, just think, the water's coming in on the boat. They've thrown things off the boat to lighten the load. The planks are falling apart. I mean, Luke is like telling this in great detail. And Paul's like, hey, guys, come here, come here, come here. And they're like, what does this guy want? 276 of them. Get around here. Come here, come here. Let me tell you what we're going to do. I found some bread. I found some bread. And Paul's like, here, y'all join me. Let's give thanks to God. Because last night I had a vision. And the Lord told me that not one of us is going to lose our life in this storm. So I know it looks like we're all getting ready to die, but would y'all take a little bit of this bread and just give thanks to God with me? And so you had a little service on a boat with 276 prisoners, and they're all just kind of like, all right, I guess we'll give thanks to God. And they all start giving thanks to God. 
And Paul says, God's going to get us where he said he was going to get us. We may not like the circumstance. You know what Paul is? Paul is a graduate student. He is a mature follower of Jesus. And you know where he learned that? He learned that by paying attention to Jesus because Jesus went through a life-threatening storm. In fact, Jesus went through a storm that he knew was going to take his life. And in the middle of that storm, he said, hey, guys, gather around here. Let's do something together. Take this bread and give thanks to God with me. Because when we give thanks to God in the middle of our storms, we open ourselves up and we open the moment up for God to be free to do whatever God wants to do in that moment. So if God wants to save me, he can save me. If God wants to calm the storm, he can calm the storm. Or if God wants to let the storm tear my boat apart and let me swim to the island on a piece of the boat that fell apart, that's what happened to Paul and them guys. He will get you to the island. But the secret of your life is going to be found in your ability to give God thanks. As Thessalonians says, in all things, in all things. Now, the last thing I want to share with you is probably got a couple of things in it, but it's the last thing I want to share with you. You guys doing all right? I was thinking about how we've been talking about thankful hearts and how we think about mountains and obstacles and, and blockages. And the Holy Spirit reminded me while I was studying my uncle, my mom's brother several years ago, they discovered some blockages in his heart. And so, I don't remember the details, but, you know, there was an artery and it had blockage in it. And I went to the hospital to see him and they were doing this new procedure that had had hardly ever been done before this doctor in Oklahoma. And so, it was kind of a a new cutting edge procedure and they were going to deal with the blockage in my uncle's heart. And and the way they were going to deal with it by was, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but, you know, they were going to put some things in his arteries, in his veins, and it just kind of liquefied the blockage. And so it was, a, it, it, that could be, you don't want the blockage to start swimming around in your veins, you know, it could just land in the wrong spot and cause all kinds of problems. So they kind of figured out how to just liquefy it and it dissolves and then you don't have to put a stent in and you don't have to go through the surgery. And so they were going to do this procedure. And so I went and, you know, saw my uncle and prayed for him and the procedure went great and he came out great and it was wonderful. It was just a great report. But my uncle told me something about that. He said, because the blockage in his heart, he said he didn't really know he had it, but the one thing was that like in his toes, he had lost all of his feeling, his sensitivity. And that was one of the things that, you know, he couldn't feel in his toes. So he said, I was laying in the bed, you know, of the, of, of the hospital and they do this procedure. And he said, they liquefy that blockage. And when they liquefy the blockage, almost immediately, he said, all the feeling came back in my toes. And he was just like, oh, my God, my toes were there. It's like, you know, he kind of forgot he had toes. And so, you know, it's like he started wiggling his toes. He could feel his toes. And all of a sudden, and so I, I wasn't, I don't know why I was thinking about that, but the Holy Spirit reminded me of that. And he said, you know, it's the interior blockages more than the exterior blockages that cause us problems in our life. And one of the problems is, is that the interior blockages of our heart, they cause us to lose sensitivity 
in other parts of our life. And so when we open our heart to God in thankfulness, it removes the interior blockages and it allows our external ability to be sensitive to what God is doing in our life. So here's what I want to tell you is that there might be that God is doing all kinds of things in your life, but your gratitude has not been allowing you to sense and feel and discern how God's at work in a particular situation. So you're in the midst of loss and all you can see is loss, or you're in the midst of lack and all you can see is lack, or you're in the midst of a storm and all you can see is a storm. But when you say, God, I want to choose to be thankful to you, then all of a sudden something happens on the inside of you. And because something happens on the inside of you, you're able to start discovering, wait a minute, God's in the middle of this storm. Wait a minute, God's in the middle of this life. Wait a minute, God's in the middle of this life. And He is up to something good in the middle of my circumstances. So the worship team, you guys can come and I'm trying to wrap this up so that we can take just a moment in this service and express our gratitude to God, because what I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me is that today, some of us, we're going to open our hearts in new ways of gratitude with new understanding, and there's going to be some blockages. Maybe they're life-threatening blockages that you don't even know about, but God says, I'm going to dissolve them as you become grateful in my presence, and the rest of the week and the rest of the month, you're going to become more sensitive. You're going to be able to feel and see and discern what God's doing and, and why He's doing it and what's going on in your life. So let me say it to you like this, your future opens up in your heart before it opens up in your life. So I was praying and thinking about this service, and I was thinking about how we always think about mountains as these external circumstantial obstacles. And so it's like, you know, I really, I really want to move toward a great marriage, or I really want to move toward a great life, or I really want to move toward, you know, a, a more compassionate person. But this mountain, this circumstance, and it's external. But I think that the thing that we need to understand is that the external circumstantial mountain is literally nothing to God. He doesn't even need us to do a thing about that. You know, we can move that mountain in a moment. The thing that's holding me up is not this external circumstance. It's not this storm. It's not this lack. It's not this loss. It's this mountain that's begun to grow in my heart that's blinding me to what God's doing. See, ingratitude, it blinds me. Entitlement blinds me. It blinds me to what God's doing, and it causes me to lose sensitivity to what the Holy Spirit's doing in my life. But the minute I say, you know what, God, my life, you don't have to be fake. You don't have to be dishonest. You can tell God, my life is not what I want it to be right now. I'd like to have more money. I'd like to have more peace. I'd like to have more happiness. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to thank you for what I do have. And I'm telling you, when you do that, you might stop complaining about the leaks in your roof, and you might start thanking God that you got a roof. And when you do that, your heart just opens up. You might start complaining about your dog that keeps peeing on the floor, and you might just thank God that you got a dog. I'm just trying to help you out right now. 
Maybe you'll take your dog to the pound and improve your life. Who knows? But I don't care what the solution is. I just want you to be thankful. Lord, I thank you that there's a pound. Thank you for the pound. <laughs> my wife is not blessed right now. My dog is a blessing. I thank God for my dog. She does not pee on the floor. But you know, every time, listen, every time, especially, let me just, let me just help you out. You, you're a wonderful congregation and you're a wonderful person. I don't have to know a lot about the details of your life. There are people in, in this congregation right now that your life is going great, that your finances are going great, and there's people that are in deep, deep struggle in this moment. And I understand that. But wherever you're at, seriously and sincerely, you've got a lot to be thankful for. One of the things that I could have done with this message is just kind of show you that like everybody in this room, if we compare ourselves to the rest of the world, to the 7 billion people on the planet, we are abundantly blessed. If you drove yourself here in a car, then you are among the world's wealthiest people on the planet. So I know that there are a lot of things that you need to happen in your life, and I, I'm very sympathetic to that, but I just want to remind you today, you got a lot to be thankful for. And if you don't have a material thing to be thankful for, you know what you can start doing? You can say, I thank you that I'm forgiven. I thank you that I'm a new creation. I thank you that I'm a child of God. I thank you that my past cannot hinder me. I thank you that I'm going to fulfill the purpose of God for my life. I thank you that my body can receive healing. I thank you that my soul can be restored. I thank you that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. I thank you that every mountain in my life can be moved. And the first mountains I'm going to let be moved are the mountains on the inside of me. You see, I was praying yesterday, and I texted Ashley, and I said, I want us to sing a song. He said, we can do it. But I said, we're going to sing it with a new perspective. And we're going to declare that God moves mountains. But I want you to focus on the internal mountains of your life. I want you to say today, God, you're going to move mountains on the inside of me. And when you do, pathways of grace and pathways of power and pathways of peace and pathways of provision are going to be opened up, not on the outside, but on the inside. How many of you know he makes a way? He moves mountains. Come on, stand to your feet, church. I want you to open your mouth, open your heart right now, and begin to give God thanks for his goodness in your life. You move mountains, and you cause walls to fall with your power. You perform miracles, and there is nothing that's
together if you're, if you're willing to do this. I just feel like God wants to, to do something, requires a little bit of response from us. So to the best of our ability, I want you to, I want to invite you just to come down. It's kind of a corporate altar call to say, we're going to come down. You won't all be able to get down front, but as many of us as, I can, as we can, I just want you to get out from your seat, get out in the aisle and just come down front. And we're not going to pray for people individually, but we're going to sing this together and we're going to do it in faith saying, God, you're opening up the interior corridors of my heart. You're illuminating new pathways today. So come on, get out from your seat, join us down front and let's sing this together and declare over the Gate Church family. And you move mountains. You cause walls to fall with your power. Don't know why, don't know why, but I'm grateful. 
Somebody think of the goodness of Jesus. I don't know why. When my back was against the wall yeah, yeah. And it looked as if it was Yeah, you did, and you'll do it again You'll do it again Sing it one more time Say, you made a way Keep it light in the 
personal we've been singing corporately but I want you just to take a personal moment right now you know one of the things the Bible says is that when we give thanks offerings to God 
God would say, that's like a, a sweet-smelling aroma to me. He said, that just, that's just pleasant to me. So I want you just as we conclude right now, just out of your own heart, in your own way, with the words of that song or your own words, just begin to say, God, I'm thankful to you. Lord, I'm choosing to give you thanks today. Lord, I may not have anything else to give you, but I can give you my thanks. I can give you an offering of thanksgiving today. I can say you've been good to me. You're worthy of all my praise. You're worthy of my thanks, Lord. Come on, that's it. You're just building your own altar right there, just you and him. You and him thinking about all the things. stop so we say Lord we thank you because you're good 